May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here today. I'm glad to be down here with you. I started out by sitting, then I was over there, and now I'm back here with my bionic arm, but nevertheless, I want to talk to you this morning about this gospel reading from John 14. Big idea is obedience leads to blessing and peace. I really only want to talk about one verse. Verse 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus is uh, in the upper room. It's Monday, Thursday. Public ministry is ended. He's on his way to the cross, and he knows that. He knows that in a matter of hours, he'll be crucified. And he's surveying the landscape, and he sees Judas, and he knows that Judas will betray him. He knows that Peter will deny him. He knows that the disciples will flee in the face of danger. And yet, he gives them the love command. It's all about love. It's all about peace during this time of great potential turmoil. If they love one another, he says they will receive the peace of God. And I think it's fair to say we all want peace. We all would like peace. But the world's peace really is a temporary freedom from distraction. How many times have you said, can I get a little peace and quiet here, please? Oh, you know? And uh, it's a little, and it doesn't last very long. Escapism is found in diversion or amusement, but it doesn't last. I remember, I actually used to think about this, going from, if you fly into Orlando and you're going from the plane to the terminal, you'll see families that are obviously headed to Disney. Yay, going to Disney. And then if you're going from the terminal to the plane, you'll see families that have been to Disney. And the mouse ears are crooked, and the faces are like, oh, my God. i got to go have a vacation from my vacation because I'm exhausted. You know, whatever they were looking for didn't quite fill the bill. It didn't quite work. The word for peace in Hebrew is shalom. It means wholeness, completeness, health, security, relationship, all those things. And when you're enjoying God's peace, there's joy and contentment. Heard me talk about the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness depends on what happens. When I dislocated my elbow, I was not happy. That was not a happy moment. It hurt. And I didn't know what was going to happen. I remember being thankful that it wasn't something worse a broken something, or a hip, or a leg, or a knee, or a back or a head, if I was going to have something happen, a dislocated left elbow, not right, was probably the best thing I could have wished for. And then I always think, and I really was thinking this stuff during the time. I was thinking about, will there come a time when I will say, well, if I hadn't dislocated my elbow, this never would have happened. 
like if I hadn't broken my leg, I wouldn't be a priest. If Liam hadn't had his accident, there'd be no Sarah or um, Lily and Fiona. Will it ever come to that? So although it was hurting and I wasn't happy, it didn't rob me of my joy. I think about that as I'm going through something difficult and typically something difficult and unexpected. The world's peace depends on resources. What do you got? How much? What's it worth? God's peace depends on relationships. The relationships that God's peace depends on are relationship with God, our relationship with others, and the relationship with ourselves. Ask yourself, what is my relationship like with God? Is it a Sunday relationship? I show up here, I sing a couple of songs, go to communion, and I go home, and I'll wait until the next Sunday to kind of contact him again. Or maybe, as I say a lot, his two phone numbers are 911 and 411. I need to know something, or I'm, I'm having an emergency, and I need God right now. But am I in communication with him on a regular basis? Do I have a prayer life that's meaningful? Am I in the word? Do I walk with him? Do I talk with him? Like the song says, is that an ongoing, developing, deepening relationship with God? How about the relationships in my life with other people? Family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, whatever it might be. Are they in a good place? Do I work at that to maintain those relationships in a good, godly way? Or maybe how about myself? How do I feel about me? Am I moving in the right direction? Am I in the, the place where God wants me to be? So those relationships, they don't cost anything, but they're, they're really what's the most important when it comes to having that peace of God that passes all understanding. God, others, myself. When we're right with God, we're at peace with God. And the world's peace is something you hope or work for. God's peace is a gift, and it's received by faith. There's no price tag on it, I receive it, and I have it. The world walks by sight, depends on externals. Christians walk by faith and depend on the eternals. I know that this is not all there is. I know that there's life after this life. I know where I'm headed. I know where eternity is is despite what's happening in my life right now, it's going to be okay. In the end, it's going to be okay. I say this at funerals all the time. So many people think this is all there is. When Rondo just said 26,000 kids, 3% are going to church, wow. He was saying earlier down in the Bible study what percentage of kids don't have two parents out where he is, out in, in that area by the shores with Lake Weir and that, that, that kind of thing. 81% of the kids come from a single-parent home. You know, it's tough. What kind of hope do they have? How peaceful is their life? And God, God, and God knows their need, and that peace is available to them. And hopefully through the rock, maybe that can change. Peace is given to the disciples and to us. It's like a part of Jesus' last will and testament. 
He left his soul to the Father, his body to Joseph, clothes to the soldiers, his mother to John, and his peace to us. What a wonderful gift. The world offers peace based on money, health, power, looks, influence, family, etc., whatever. The problem is it's fleeting and it's fragile. I don't know if you've been following the Johnny Depp trial with Amanda Heard. Here's a guy who is talented, wealthy, influential, powerful. Would you like to be Johnny Depp right now? No. I forget who's suing who for what, but one is suing one for $50 million and the other is suing the other for $100 million. And I don't really understand why, but this is the most watched, followed event in the world, in our country right now. Maybe the world, I don't know. Johnny Depp. Go through the line at Publix and look at some of the papers that are there. And you'll see on the cover very influential, powerful people, talented people whose lives are a complete mess. And the last thing in the world they have right now is peace. Because they followed after what the world said. This is what you need. This is what will bring you happiness and peace. It's impossible for the world to live in peace because it's fallen. I think in recorded history there's something, been something like 15,000 major wars recorded in history. I think at any one time there's 100 armed conflicts in the world um, today. Remember the, the Holocaust. Less well remembered and less well known is what happened in 1994 in Rwanda where in 100 days a million people died. In 100 days, a million people died, the Hutu and the Tutsi. Friends were turning in friends and family members were turning in family members. They're just killing them. When Pol Pot took over in Cambodia, two million people died. Between Stalin and Mao, tens of millions of people died. The world is in turmoil. Real peace is the absence of spiritual unrest and the assurance of God's salvation. Uh, I read a book every morning. Captain, I read a page out of this book every morning. It's called On This Day. And quite often you're, you're reading about a martyr or a saint back in the Middle Ages who was professing the gospel, professing the truth, and they get arrested because that's not what they want to hear. And so they're in prison and they're awaiting execution. They start to torture them in various ways. And then on their way to the place of execution, and while they're being prepared for execution, typically what they're doing is talking about God, preaching the gospel, talking about their faith in Jesus. When they've been tortured and they know they're going to die, they have peace of God which passes all understanding because they know this is not all there is and that God is in his heaven and he's on the throne. And despite their circumstances and despite what's going on in their life right now, none of that changes. When we have the peace of Christ, it shows. I said this on Wednesday at the children's service, but if you have that kind of peace, it really does show. 1979, we're... Navy Postgraduate School. Our middle son, Donald, fell and he broke his arm, so his arm is in a hanging cast. 
I fell off my bike, you know that story. I'm in the hospital in traction. Uh, Liam was going up a slide. He's like four years old. Somebody kicked him in the eye, had five stitches, didn't know if he was going to lose his eye. Eleanor was 10 months old. She starts crying and passes out in Kathy's arms, and a nurse come and got her jump-started again. Everybody in Kathy's life is a mess. There was a woman named Mary Beth Affeld who had a couple of boys, Dennis the Menace, one and two. But she was always calm, cool, and collected, never ruffled. And Kathy went to her, and she said, I don't know what you've got, but I want it. And Mary Beth shared the gospel with Kathy for the first time in her life. She had been brought up in the church all the way through high school, had never heard the gospel. Not one time. Not one time. She laid in bed that night and said, Lord, I don't know if what Mary Beth told me is true, but if it is, I want it. And she said the 23rd Psalm, and from the top of her head to the down to her feet, she felt warmth. She gave her life to Christ September 3rd, 1979, and it's never been the same. Of course, I come home from the hospital, and I think they joined a cult. They're going to this thing called Child Evangelism Fellowship or something, or shepherds on a flannel board. What do I know? I, I, I took some time to catch up. I remember going to Honduras, um, and we always make a home visit. And so we were in Talanga, where the farm was, and we're going down into this particular mom's home. We go in, and they're all together on a street. There's no, there's no, all the houses are like next to each other. Not next, I mean like, like together. Walk in the front door, there's a bare light bulb, a couple of couches, a chair or two. Put, pull a curtain away from the, from the a room, and there's a bunch of mattresses there. There is no real kitchen. There is no bathroom. And out back, there's a pump for water. She is a single mom with 11 children. And she, she works in a chicken shack up the street. Happy as a clam at high tide. I said, how do you do this with no bathroom? She said, it's no problem. My sister lives two blocks up, and she's got an outhouse. No problem. Eleven kids. She had the peace that passes all understanding, despite a set of extremely challenging circumstances. And I'll never forget her. And her face radiated peace because it was real. We say, but you don't know what my life is like and what kind of burdens and pressure I'm under. Well, I don't, but God does. Today he orders us not to allow our hearts to be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. It's a command. The phrase, don't be anxious, or afraid, appears in the Bible 365 times. What else does that number represent? The number of days in the year, one for each day of the year, not leap year, but... And here's another thing that I've been thinking about. When Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, or love your enemies, it's a command. It's an order. You cannot command and order a feeling. When he says, be at peace, don't let your hearts be troubled, it's not, he's not talking about a feeling. He's talking about 
a choice that we make. You know, married couples sometimes may not feel real loving toward their spouse, but they love them nonetheless because it's a choice they make. I'll tell couples that are getting married, I'll say quite often you're going to find that love is a decision rather than a feeling. And today Jesus is saying, choose to be at peace despite what's happening around you. Make that choice rather than wait for the feeling to come. Now, I got a peaceful, easy feeling. You know that one? There's feelings that comes with peace. When you're at peace, it feels good. But sometimes we just have to make that choice. We look around and our hearts are troubled. There seems to be no peace. We look at our past and the errors we've made, wasted opportunities. We look at the present with alarm and the future with foreboding. And, um, you know, you can look around right now at our world and think, oh, my gosh, I've never seen it like this. I mean, seriously, I've never seen it like this. Um, when I was in college, I, I managed an all-night gas station. Uh, I managed a couple nights a week. Uh, Clark Station. Anybody ever been to a Clark Station? This was in the late 60s, and we were selling gas for 33 cents a gallon. Except when there was a gas war. And then I sold it for 17 cents a gallon. Uh, not so much anymore, you know. Children used to go to school and learn math. English, reading, writing, reading, writing, arithmetic, history. And now who knows what they're learning. It's incredible. We have someone who's going to be on the Supreme Court who does, doesn't, doesn't know what a woman is. Now, that's not a political statement. That's just, that's me being sad about somebody with that kind of power and authority that can't tell you what a woman is. There's somebody else being interviewed in Congress the other day for some position and was asked if a man could get pregnant and have an abortion, and she said yes. This is the kind of world we're living in right now where down is up and up is down, and everything you thought was nailed down seems to be coming up. But despite all of this, God is present. God says, I understand, but despite all that, I want you to have the peace that passes all understanding. And the reason it passes all understanding is because it doesn't make sense to be at peace when things are kind of crazy like this. I came across this. This was a uh, study from Duke University. It's not theological. But Duke University did a study on peace of mind. Bill, did you go to Duke? Did you go to Duke? You're a Duke guy. Any other Duke graduates here? Where? Oh, you went to Duke. All right. So this is for you. This is out of your alma mater. Duke's, Duke University did a study on peace of mind. Factors found to contribute greatly to emotional and mental stability are one. The absence of suspicion and resentment. Nursing a grudge was a major factor in unhappiness. Nursing a grudge. Dog with a bone. Number two, not living in the past. 
An unwholesome preoccupation with old mistakes and failures leads to depression. Three, not wasting time and energy fighting conditions you can't change. Cooperate with life instead of trying to run away from it. That's like I say, there's two buckets. In this bucket, you have some things you have some control over. In this bucket, you have things you have no control over. So many people spend time rummaging around in the no control bucket rather than paying attention to those things you might have some influence on. Number four, force yourself to stay involved with the living world. Resist the temptation to withdraw and become reclusive during periods of emotional stress. Um, you have a routine. You attend certain things. You do certain things, and all of a sudden you stop. You withdraw. Or you know somebody that, gee, they always come to this thing, and now that I haven't seen them lately, check on them. Five, refuse to indulge in self-pity when life hands you a raw deal. Accept the fact that nobody gets through life without some sorrow and misfortune. That's true for all of us. Six, cultivate the old-fashioned virtues of love, humor, compassion, and loyalty. Seven, don't expect too much of yourself. When there's too wide a gap between self-expectation and your ability to meet the goals you've set, feelings of inadequacy are inevitable. And eight, find something bigger than yourself to believe in. God would be a good one. Self-centered, egotistical people score the lowest in any test measuring unhappiness. God wants us to be different from the world. He wants us to rest secure in the knowledge that God is on the throne. He knows us. He loves us. And when life deals us a difficult hand, God did not go on vacation. I'll tell you where I see this, and Tom, as a chaplain, has seen a lot of this as well. You're in a hospice room or a hospital room, and somebody's terminal. And you're with Christians, and you're with non-Christians. Huge difference. Christians are peaceful. They're sad because they're going to lose somebody they love. But it's not the end of the world because this is not all there is, and they know that. You're in a room with non-Christians, and it's very different, very stressful, very unsettling, sometimes even chaotic, because they just don't know what to do, because they have no hope of a future. need to ask, do I have this kind of peace in my life? I need to submit to Christ, allow him to rule my heart. If I do, the peace that passes all understanding will become who I am. So the question is, where do we need this kind of peace? Do I need it at work? Do I need it at home? Family? My finances? Relationships? Pick one area and ask God to grant you his peace. We have not because we ask not. Well, ask. Pick something specific that you're struggling with right now and ask God to grant you peace. I need peace about the nation, the church, the school. How about you? I want you to watch this video and see if it speaks to you.
So at the end of the 8 o'clock service, the blessing is made a peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of Jesus' Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. May God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.